I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. <laughs> There's only one place to start here, Con, and it's me and you today. Connor's not around, and that is the discipline I have here down in Machine. And like I mean, I suppose this started breaking on Tuesday that the Dingle mentor got eight weeks, um, so it was the minimum he could have gotten. So that's the disappointing thing, really, for an awful lot of people, is that these things have happened so regularly in the last uh, few months. That, and Down had acted so strongly on the, on on there in discipline between Down Patrick and Bally Holland that we're kind of hoping that this fella who came off the sideline and hit a player unprovoked and um, with the player not really expecting it that he'd get more than the minimum so mm. they couldn't give him any less. Now he's Paul Gainey's uncle and he managed to carry under 21s 2008 and are these mitigating factors and in, you know it's hard to know but you'd imagine that this he got the minimum pel- penalty under rule 7.2c misconduct at games by team officials any type of physical interference with an opposing player or team official so that was it eight weeks you, when, when you put this into context it's the same ban as Tony McEntee and Jason Sherlock got during the Galway Dublin league game in Salt Hill where the two lads were the, were the, car- the water carriers yeah. the runners and all those two fellas did was hold lads back and you know grab them and keep them out and they got the same ban like there's no logic to this you know what I mean there's just simply no logic Davy Fitzgerald who come running onto the field and to in fairness to Davy, it was to give out to the referee Jason Ford came across said get off it and they shouldered each other nothing in it now Davy had no business going on he knows that yeah. he got the same ban this is as a mentor who runs on the field and punches a fat into the face that's wrong and there's no minimum should be get, he should be getting so he's getting 8 weeks county finals this Sunday he's going to miss that what's left? 
unless they have yeah. a league game or two you know like I mean that's the season over so it's not it's only a punishment and in all fairness is he going to be banned even from training like he'd be at training all he's going to do is sit in the stand could get mic'd up to the manager anyways yeah like I mean what's the punishment here like, there's no what, punishment what, there doesn't look yeah. to be any Keir McGinney got 8 weeks for saying something to Joe McQuillan yeah. we still don't know what was said or whatever but that was just variables between him and the linesman yeah. he got 8 weeks but I, I tweeted I tweeted about this that Gordon Ke- remember we were talking about Gordon Kelly's and, um, and uh, Colin Collins the yeah. manager was complaining about this he squirted water in the direction of an umpire and he got 3 months and that was proper punishment because that happened in the league and he missed the inter-county season because of this three months for squirting water yeah. while you get eight weeks as a mentor someone who has no business getting involved with players and you're coming on punching them and you're getting eight weeks I can't understand I just can't understand this I just can't like I mean there is another rule that he could have been done under well he could have got more than eight weeks for starters because that's minimum he could have been done under disruptive conduct by players official supporters um, penalties are at the discretion of the committee in charge so he could have got an awful lot more if they wanted yeah. to make an example out of it they didn't make an example out of it and here we are now again we've heard nothing from, from uh, the GEA about this we've heard nothing from Tom Ryan Tom Ryan has said nothing since his first media um, appearance when he got the job nothing is this not a, a perfect opportunity for the new director general to come out and say this is not good enough and here is a new uh, measure I'm bringing in a respect kind of campaign or uh, like uh, Kieran Shannon I was reading a piece of his yesterday that players and mentors should be sign up to a spirit of the game clause yeah. where if you step outside the boundaries of this then you are prohibited from appealing this you know what I mean you have to accept the severity of the punishment that's coming your way but the annoying thing here is it's not like Kerry were hamstrung by the rules which has happened so often you know yeah. when people can appeal because the rules doesn't actually say anything like that you know we all wanted Tierney McCann banned that time you know when he dies but there was no precedent there was no rules so it was never going to hold up and he got off of it but in their own rules it says like there's discretion here if they think it's more severe than it is and yeah. whatever about him you know having been an under 21 manager and Paul Guinea's uncle like I don't know if that came into it or not but like he hit a, a hit Dara Moyne like a Kerry Meyer he won an all Ireland with Kerry two years ago he's still an under 20 he's not even looking he's at the guy a, who's only points. a young fella yeah. 1920 he's come on and pointed him from the side like you know he was just standing outside this brawl sort yeah. of pointing the finger and you know, and then he just come on and get clocked. Like, so where's the sort of mitigating factors for him? Like, there's no justice for him. And yeah, it's really annoying. Like, Down have tried to come down hard. We know that what'll happen there is like that will probably get appealed, and they won't be able to hold up those bans for Bally Holland and Down Patrick. But at least, at least they're trying. And Kieran Shannon's thing is right. Like, you know, players maybe should be entering into something like this, yeah. or people like Down can say, well, next year if any of you do this you're being thrown out of the championship and we can define it by a mentor running on or whatever amount of players amount of players get involved how long it lasts or if you leave the field in that case yeah, then that's the a brawl and you're are, suspended are any subs come on talking to Alan Brogan yesterday and he was thinking that they should start like like the kick racism out in the Premier mm. League like there should be like they need to lead from this the GA Tom Ryan needs to lead from this and it's do you know what it is it's such an easy PR exercise for them now yeah. And we've heard nothing from because nobody wants this. This is a, a a black stain on the GEA and everyone's concerned it's going to get worse. And here's Tom Ryan, a new director general. Here's the perfect opportunity for him to take the bull by the horns and actually act on this. And we have heard nothing from them. We've heard nothing from them. It's bizarre. How many more is going to ha- are we going to see before we see the GEA doing something about this? And again, it comes back 
all the time I'm complaining about it is county boards individual county boards are not good enough anymore they're amateurs in a professional era they're too much politics goes on at that level like do Croke Park have any appetite with taking fixtures off them centralising that centralising discipline centralising things or are they, do they not want the extra hassle or the extra effort how much more manpower would that require to actually control them all so Parik Duffy tells me before oh well they're, they have their own autonomy we wouldn't be going telling them what to do I think the time has come where you do need to tell yeah. them you're a professionally run business up in Croke Park and it's run well for the most part business wise it's run well like not say fixtures and stuff is still messy yeah. enough but like I mean at the same time I've campaigned and kept talking about getting a CEO in every county board use the Dublin model you maximise your marketing maximise your sponsorship run these businesses with businessmen with a track record and not have him kind of saying yeah to the county manager in April for clubs and just holding a, a strong line with these people they, they don't seem to have any appetite to do that do you, do you know what I think the problem is as well and it shows why it's so big and why the GA need to sort of centralise the whole thing but you're, if you're a player like you have sat in a changing room where you've been told you're going to get hit today and you need to stand up to it and you've prepared all week for the physical altercations that's going to happen and you need to be strong and you need to sort of be ready to be punched and maybe get involved and if you're a player and a brawl starts you have to get involved like, like if you don't get involved in that brawl like you'd be sitting a poker on Friday night and boys would be able to tell you the four players who didn't get involved and they're the ones who are ashamed so in a way I feel a bit of sympathy for players and I can see why they're sort of getting defensive about you know all this coverage that's happening and giving off about mobile phones because they have no choice but to get involved but until yeah. the GA and maybe the county board start making rules to say if there's a brawl you're thrown out of the championship then players are going to have to keep getting involved you have to do it they are they are and but like Kieran Shannon had a very good example on the basketball so 40 years ago there it was like the wild wild west in basketball it was similar to this where there was free frauds and we know their uh, subs are interchangeable so they're right there on the sideline because a lot of people are making the argument there's too many on the sideline and former president Liam O'Neill who actually in hindsight was an excellent president like he brought in the FRC to try and see how the game was going brought in the black card whether you like it or not it was mm. to help uh, or to improve cynical play he um, tried to fix the sideline issue so he put a restriction on how many people could be on the sideline I don't think clubs are really enforcing that at county county final level but at inter-county level you can only have the manager you can have a physio and I think you can have a selector two sitting down and then the runner and that's it but 40 years ago in the NBA there was a huge fight between the LA Lakers and the Houston um, Rockets and the the fella got punched and he fell on the ground and went away to hospital afterwards and he fractured his jaw, nose and caused spinal fluid to leak into his brain cavity. So after that punch, the NBA went from being the Wild Wild West to probably the best administered and officiated league in the world. Washington was heavily suspended, sending his career, this is Washington, the fella that hit the other fella, sending his career through a long downward spiral. The league added a third referee on the back of that. So bench players who previously would have dashed in to join Annie League could no longer encroach on the court. Even putting a foot inside the white line merited a suspension. Like they came down hard yeah. on it. So, like I mean, 
the there was another one then the malice in the palace between players from the Detroit Pistons and Indiana Pacers and even spectators so it wasn't unlike Bally Holland and Down Patrick according to him so this was 2004 and it led to mass suspensions the main culprit Ron Artist banned for 75 games and 9 players fined an average of 1.2 million each 5 players were charged with assault serving a year of community spe- community service 5 spectators were banned for life no one appealed that's how you deal with this yeah. that stops this there's precedent in other sports like I mean that's coming down hard would you get involved with a row with those kind of penalties handing up that will tell you what we'll do we'll send this we'll send this report to the police yeah what are you going to do then and you're not getting involved and especially if if, if your club were going to get punished like because then it's on you if, like, it's like if you turn around and punch someone in front of the referee everyone thinks you're the idiot like you know what are you doing you've just cost us a man in a big game like so if you start punishing everybody and also yeah there's just more serious consequences I saw there's a guy Dr Dermot Grant that was up at the Ulster Championship launch the hurling launch there and up in Stockneil and he's like 10 years on the British Board of Control the Boxing Board of Control and he was sort of just warning people of one punch dangers like you can kill somebody in one punch and he was basically saying hitting someone in a GA pitch is much more dangerous than a boxing fight because in a boxing fight you have to have two doctors at all times you have to be within one hour of a hospital and a way of getting there within a maximum of one hour there has to be oxygen and a stretcher at ringside you know it's much more regulated like a yeah. neurosurgeon on call has to be told there's a fight taking place so he can be ready to go at any time in a GA match he's turned around and punched someone and <laughs> you know, nothing could happen about yeah. it. And like that, that's uh, taken to the extreme. Like you could just kill somebody just by reacting to something. Yeah. So in uh, just to finish up on this, which is shocking as well, is the cameras player who we all saw the video who put the butt of the hurl into Ross King's face guard and did the serious damage to his mouth. Um, he got off. So he appealed it, which I think cameras. should be ashamed of themselves for appealing this based on the pictures we saw doing the rounds on WhatsApp Um, they shouldn't have appealed it they should have taken the two match ban which wasn't that much considering the damage that was done the wild pulls were completely out of order and then Ross King comes running in and it's completely disingenuous to say Ross King was coming in to do any harm Ross King wouldn't be like that in any way he was coming in to maybe give a shoulder or something didn't deserve what he got so they appealed it and amazingly the central or the appeals committee in Leash got uh, like a, got rid of the suspension so they thought there was insignificant or insufficient evidence even though there was a video um, Cameras made the point the point that he didn't have enough time to react and that uh, he didn't mean to do the damage that he did. Now, I've spoken to a lot of hurlers and they know right well what was what happened in that mm-hmm. clip. So what the hearings committee in Leash were basing that decision on, again, sends out the wrong message that you can do what you want and just because it was in a split second, how the hell, what split second reaction makes you cut, bring your hand down the hurley and stick it up into another fella's face as he's running towards you? Yeah. Is your re- natural reaction if someone's running towards you not to stick, not to brace yourself, your shoulder, and you yeah. know what I mean for the hit. It's not to stick the hur- the butt of the hurl up into his face. So again, that's a really disappointing decision. Again, county board have an autonomy. I don't think I don't think they have the expertise. A couple of club delegates. Um, there's seven on the appeals committee apparently in Leash. Not all seven would have been deciding on that because some can have vest- some direct, like there could be someone from Rat Downey on it, for yeah. example, and he they couldn't. So it's usually between three and five people that sit on it. 
And who are these people making this decision? That's always the question I have. Well, yeah, like that's a good question because what will usually happen is a club like Cam Ross, they would have a proper lawyer in with them or somebody in the club there who's you used go. to law or yeah. whatever. And, and you've got you've just got five delegates with exactly. no law experience. Yeah, and they almost feel intimidated because this guy obviously knows what he's talking about. And like you know, this idea of he's not that type of player, but like that. <laughs> We are that type but of player. This fella is good. this type of player. This but fella is this type. You saw the two wild pulls, and he was suspended from an incident with Mount Glenster Rangers last year. So this isn't a fella who's got an unblemished record on the on the hurling field. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Which makes this even more disappointing. It should, and they took him off at half time, knowing that he was in. You know what I mean? In Vodder. it's just sneaky. Yeah. It's, it's sneaky carry on. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, that it has those blemishes because I like I've sat in an appeals committee and you know listening to a lawyer. I know Mulligan said something similar during the summer at one of the live shows about just how the the guy's just talking him up and all the great stuff he does and the charity work and the underage coaching yeah. and that's the sort of stuff that in my appeal that's all I was hearing it was nothing to do with the incident yeah. and then you, you sort of get, get a more lenient like suspension then because and, Mull- and in fairness like I mean Mulligan who's a big joke saying Mulligan said I didn't have a clue what he was saying yeah <laughs> but like I mean like, and it, like that was funny that night almost in a shocking way mm. like I mean he'd no idea that this this lawyer was just coming in talking telling lies about his character and stuff that Mulligan didn't even know like, was happening Jesus have I done half of this stuff and, and got him off yeah that's there's something not right there there's just something not right there alright we'll move on from that because Kildare manager has been forced into make some changes to his backroom team so Wendell Murphy and Ronan Sweeney have left the management due to work commitments um, and he's brought in Carla Dwyer who might know a thing or two from his father about management. So it'll be interesting to see what he can bring to the setup. And Tom Cribben, who's an excellent manager, has been drafted in. So while Sweeney and Murphy will be two losses, I think that the two appointments they've made are pretty um, pretty good for Keane O'Neill. It'll be interesting to see how Tom Cribben goes back into being a number two after being a number one for so long. We know Keane O'Neill... I'd say he runs a tight enough ship. I'm the big dog. I'm the alpha male here. It's yeah. all about it's all about me. So, like, I mean, Tom Cribben actually has no ego. So maybe maybe it'll work well. But it was an interesting thing I noticed, and I didn't know about this at all. Is that Kildare are out in the Burn Cup on the eighth of December? So because they made the Super Eights, there's a closed season. So they're only allowed back to train on the eighth of December. <laughs> so, like, I mean, can you get any more GA than this? So they're basically back the same day that the training ban comes out of action there of O'Burn Cup versus Offaly they've undermined their own competition the O'Burn Cup but uh, for some reason I think Kildare might be okay with <laughs> well, there's a, this is a strange one now so uh, I was checking they don't have much McKenna Cup information I presume McKenna Cup's going to have to come back into December as well so the O'Burn Cup is being played two rounds 8th of December and the 15th of December so the FBD league now is not a league anymore it's a straight knockout so that's just been played the first two or three weeks of January but the Burn Cup has about four or five rounds so like I mean they're getting two out of the way it's four rounds so they're two out of the way in December and then they're finishing it I think it's on the 12th of January the league starts on the 26th of January so they've had no choice really based on the nightmare that happened last year where everything's up on top of each other so now the season is starting on the 8th of December so like I mean it doesn't a part of me thinks it's not a bad idea in that this will be mixed into pre-season training and players will just play games but again that's not how managers will see this they'll see the season starting on December the 8th so we start on October the 8th like do you know what I mean they'll get they won't include that in their pre-season training they'll be getting ready for that so it's just pushing your pre-season training back back a month 
And like, I mean, for those reasons, I just think it's completely, completely wrong. Paul Flynn wrote a really good piece in the Irish Times today. And he's talking about the absence of any meaningful off-season remains a real issue for players. This is something that's come out very strongly in player feedback and it's an issue made uh, it's an issue that made for a key finding in the recent ERSI report. The ERSI found that over 80% of players feel too much demanded of them as part of the intercounty commitments. We found that almost three quarters of players are not satisfied with the amount of off-season time to get. Some 40% of players we consulted said they didn't get any time off in advance of the 2018 season. So if you didn't get any time off between before the 2018 season, which started on the 29th of December, bring it forward three weeks there, buddy, <laughs> because you're going to be starting on the 8th of December this week. So, like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, all the stuff Paul Flynn wrote in his piece was great. Like, I mean, and I actually think he'll make a, make a, a difference to the GPA. Mm-hmm. But, like, I mean, at the same time, that's, a, that's what he's saying. And this is what the GE, this is what the Leinster yeah. Council have just done. So it's just completely kind of in the face of what the GPA want. They want more of a closed season. So the GEA take three weeks off that. Or the Leinster Council yeah. do. Because it's always difficult to blame the GEC. The Leinster Councillor maybe have autonomy over this at Burn Cup as well. So like, I mean, there's just so much complication here. And like... It, I don't know it just doesn't make any sense like I mean <laughs> it makes like the obvious thing is just get rid of those competitions yeah. the league starts in January give them the closed season because there's a part of me wonders like you have to be honest the 8th of December 15th of December the players that will be playing in those like I mean Leash are back doing trial games now yeah they're doing trial games now and we're at the start of October so like I mean I was, what I would actually do is use those two as trial games nearly you know or you're nearly too close to league the O'Byrne Cup should really be just used as a nothing competition because like now Leash are getting ready to start in, th- in this <laughs> so really the, where's the off season for Leash are most of the players like I mean there'll be some players in Leash that'll have been out since the start of July 1st of August but you shouldn't really be basing everything on them like they might be glad of 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 starting back in December like what about the Portleash players what about the Dempsey's that just lost the county final yeah. last week they're straight back into it there's no closed season for them there's none Like, and there's no there's no solution until there's a, like just a massive and complete overhaul of everything and the fixtures and because like, the club players are screwed over with this as well like you know Paul Flynn plays for Fingolians they're just out of the Senior B Championship they lost the semi-final but they're still playing in the league they had two league games left after that yeah. and they're still in contention they go up from Division 2 into Division 1 and they could be playing a playoff which will be November 11th so if you win if you're, just, if you're Paul Flynn you play the playoff on November 11th then you're going back into the Auburn Cup but if you're a Fingalians player and you get up to Division 1 in November 11th you're going to have to go straight back into the gym anyway if you're going into Division 1 next year yeah. and get yourself in the proper shape so you'll have no off-season there and like you know this is like we talk about this every single year and there's no way of fixing it until everything is coordinated all the fixtures we can just bang our head against the wall but yeah. we will keep talking about this every year and like there's there's an example of somebody like in the GPA writing an amazing piece and the, the, the company that's there to sort of you know highlight these issues and the at the same time like the GA is still going on business as usual the season starting now at the start of December so th- here's what Paul said at the end of his piece so he said earlier this month I presented these details or these detailed findings to the Central Co- Commission's Con- Central Competitions Control Committee basically the CCCCC of the GEA the committee tasked with overseeing changes to the fixture schedule specifically the GPA has put forward the following recommendations 
Number one, a task force should be established immediately with representatives from all relevant bodies concerned with fixture planning in the GEA. The group should have an urgent mandate to deliver change quickly. Beautiful, brilliant, right? This is what the CPA have asked for strongly. This is what I've campaigned for since I nearly started in the media. What's the point? In, but then, see, that's he's saying this. So saying it is one thing. What are they doing to make sure this happens? Because John Horan's randomly talking about a two-tier now and changing things based on what he wants. The Super 8s are in for three years. Are you actually saying next year we want change or when do you want these to happen? And what change? Like, is it too late for these things to get through Congress next? It's in February. So, like, I mean, I like, must get Paul on the show and say, that sounds brilliant. And it's been said for the last year. The GA are ignoring this. Mm. The O'Burn Cup starts at the, on the 8th of <laughs> December. So when does this happen? And what, are the, what, are, what is the, are the consequences of the GA not listening to the GPA? Do you know what I mean? Because this sounds great, written down. In advance, here's another one. In advance of any future change to the football championship, there must be a consultation with the GPA so that the player's voice can be heard. Again, 100% agree. Nothing should happen without them having a say or all stakeholders having a say. Super 8s was pushed through without any consultation. Think about that. Without yeah. any consultation. This is dictatorship. Now, I'm not saying I'm against the dictatorship, but I'd like to be the dictator. <laughs> there should be, this another one, there should be an urgent review of the closed season policy in the GEA to address the issue of players having no time off. This is coming out on the week that I'm finding out the Auburn Cup is starting on the 8th of December. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, do you get my point? No, like, absolutely. I mean, it's just so... I don't think this is Paul's intention, but these are all stuff I'd agree with and it's common sense stuff. Yeah. But this is, this is being written at a time where the actual opposite is happening. Exactly. Like, you know, it's not his intention, but at the same time, like, the decision was going ahead anyway without consultation. Like, you know, so yeah. it didn't matter what he thought. So, so unless this is in response to your burn cup starting early and he's saying this can't happen again because, like, I mean, it just doesn't make sense that the GEA, the Leinster Council, would just fix that take three weeks so we're trying to condense the season and make it shorter they've just made the season forward longer by three weeks Yeah. after last year the, the Porrick Duffy making it shorter by three weeks they've made it longer <laughs> in the other direction right by three weeks and they've had the, they've, they've been allowed to do that without consulta- cons- consulting anyone the Porrick Duffy's changes of the championship had to go through Congress you make sense of that to me that the Leinster Council just could do a solar run on that Again, and not consult with anyone. So the three. So now the Lens, Lens for Leinster clubs, the season is no shorter than it was before. Porrick Duffy had brought this brilliant new proposal of the Super Eights. Yeah, like you got me. Like <laughs> <laughs> normally at this stage, I'd like to pokey a bit and play devil's advocate just to get you on. But like, yeah, like you're, you're right, and I have to agree with you. And do, like, do you know why this idea has come about? Why this is starting in December eighth? Is because of what happened this year. It's completely reactionary. It's because the Auburn Cup uh, you got played in May, the Auburn Cup final, because he had no space when the games got called off in December, and then when games got called off in January, they had no space to sort of put them in. Yeah. So now they're giving themselves two weeks before the league. So if anything bad happens, they should have enough time between Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday yeah. you know, to get these games played and that's why so they've just reacted to something that's just happened a few months ago and they've overhauled everything just because it happened in January yeah it's gas it's <laughs> gas so like I mean I would love for all stakeholders to get in a room and trash out a proper season instead of having John Horan saying we want a two tier again another thing just going to be pushed in wait a minute fix the whole year and let's yeah. move forward after the whole year and stop this three years let's fix the whole year 
move forward that all and this is nothing to do whether we agree with it or not because we could find fault in whatever they agree but once the third level universities clubs representative CPA GPA and GEA sit in a room and agree because I trust the G I trust the CPA and I trust if the universities get their little space at the start of the year and I trust the GPA with Flynn with what he's saying so if they all agree it doesn't matter if we agree or not I'd be fairly confident that you know what I mean yeah. once everybody's happy with it and stop this John Horn. oh we'll come with a toot here and now he's going to just put his little b- bit in and then that's going to push problems somewhere else and then the Leinster Council might start the burn Cup in feckin' November and then <laughs> what ah <laughs> uh, here sure it's absolutely hilarious um, there's some weird carry on going on in Roscommon right so Aidan O'Rourke was the preferred choice and like this now no offence to Aidan O'Rourke I'm sure he's a really good manager but he was well down on their list there anyway so they're finding it really hard to get a job don't know why because I know that they have a pretty generous backer over there so like I'm, I'm sure financially it might be an attractive job for managers but and they're a division one team so Aidan O'Rourke was in the mix anyway so he was their preferred choice at this stage um, and maybe he was their number one choice maybe this is just names thrown out in the media that it, it was late in the day his name popped up so mm. we don't actually know that so maybe I'm being unfair there so he was supposed to be announced and then he asked for 24 hour deferral because he wanted to confirm the name of his coach which was Carl Lacey who left the Donegal set up his own county because he for, because there was too much of a commitment or whatever so then he's going to jump into another county wasn't much sense really to that would make you wonder did Carol Lacey leave because of commitments or did he not like the set up in there so I mean you can make your own conclusions about that but the uh, Roscommon statement uh, on the Roscommon website said our preferred candidate was Aidan O'Rourke his team was to consist of Mike McGurn strength and condition and two Roscommon coaches selectors and head coach Carol Lacey the reason for the delay was because of unexpected doubts in relation to Carol's availability as head coach unfortunately this morning the county chairman received a call from Aidan O'Rourke informing him that he was withdrawing from the process the Roscommon GA management committee are very disappointed at the turn of events but are fully committed to completing the, the selection process however the committee is concerned at attempts that have been made to influence the outcome of the process over recent days so Aidan obviously didn't get the backroom team that he wanted and say getting a backroom team together at the last minute is a bloody frustrating thing with lads saying oh, I'm not sure and you're against the clock on the deadline a new burn cup starting <laughs> <laughs> the, the FBD the FBD starting in very early January so like I mean he out I'd say Aidan obviously wanted the, the job but didn't couldn't get the backroom team together in time interestingly enough Shawnee McMahon who is an experienced defender for Roscommon he tweeted last week when are our county board going to wake up um when are, oh yeah he's replying to a fella called Seamus when are our county board going to wake up Seamus plenty of people inside our county well good enough for the job Roscommon need an inside manager better for the whole progression of Roscommon football so don't know if that's the the what they were referring to in their statement by saying people are kind of interfering with the with the process but Shawnee McMahon is a very brave man because mm. He this was he was talking about he was replying to a fellow called Seamus who had tweeted about Aidan O'Rourke, 
So like if Aidan O'Rourke had got the job, Shawnee McMahon <laughs> is on very, very thin ice there. Like I mean, or else he maybe he wants to retire. I'm not sure. But like I mean, it's a very brave tweet based on the fact that Aidan O'Rourke looked like he was getting the job. Yeah, and it's an interesting one because like in Derry, you would say, oh, we need an outside manager. You know, somebody who's not attached to the politics and they don't have any you know, club attachments or anything yeah. like that. So it's sort of it's almost like the England manager's job. They need an English manager who's passionate, and then they need a foreign manager who's tactically astute. So it just sort of goes. People want an inside manager and then an outside one. Outside managers are always that little bit more exotic, right? So you always think someone coming from outside is better than the lads you have inside, where all he is is a fellow from inside from another county. Yeah. Like I see managers from Leach that I've played under getting paid to manage other other county teams. And I'm like, Jesus, like, give me a ring, lads. I'll yeah. tell you all about them. <laughs> yeah. No problem. But like, I mean, it, it's just when it's from another county, immediately it adds to the stock. When Just because it's from another county, it could be same old club fella who's pretty basic. You know, it's just, it doesn't make sense. But there was a piece in The Independent, Column Key, saying that this kind of thing of outside managers, it, um, it seems to be on the decline big time. So there's seven outside managers now. Um, so back in 2011, it was 17, um, I'm pretty sure. So you've Maliki Rourke over Monaghan, you've Paddy Talley over Down, you've Terry Highland over Leitrim. That news must have slipped by me when I was on holidays, mm. did it? I don't, I don't remember <laughs> even seeing it. as well. <laughs> <laughs> Terry flew under the radar there. That's, I'd say that's a decent uh, enough commute across there. Liam Cairns is Tipperary, John Mohan's Offaly, John Evans is Wicklow. And he'd, uh, Colin Keith seemed to have forgotten John Sugru, who's over Leash um, as well. So, like, I mean, the idea that all counties that fad of getting an outside man it definitely seems to be in decline and we all know that if you go for a manager from outside you're paying him yeah there's no one doing that for free and you can be dressing up the payments in, in travel expenses but this man's getting paid and that's the reality so maybe county boards are realising financially they just can't afford this anymore and realising there's very few outside managers have had any success really Malachi O'Rourke's the big example um, John O'Matney with Galway there's not an awful Mick O'Dwyer and Paddy O'Shea obviously had um, had some uh, success Kevin Walsh had a bit of success with Sligo not not really like getting them to a final or something but yeah. they generally don't really do that well compared to homegrown ones yeah and like unless it's a name like Malachi Rourke or you know what, what is the point really surely you have somebody of equal experience and calibre in your county and like like and and this definitely isn't sort of painting all outside managers the same, but a lot of them would be you know going to a certain county to try and get themselves up the ladder a little bit to give themselves more experience and boost their CV, and they might not be there for the long haul. Like you know, whereas an inside manager would actually have his county's wishes, like the best of the wishes at heart. Like you know, yeah. and he will do whatever it takes for his county. Well, I think I think that's the thing, and I think that an outside manager will come in and he won't give a shit about the club scene. He won't care because yeah. not his county is not a big deal to him. He won't, he'll come in and if you're managing another county, right, and you have to remember this and they'll all say, oh, well, I've got a great connection and you'll obviously get a connection with the players. You're going there to further your reputation as yeah. a manager. You're not there for the good of that county. Like, so you you just want a quick, you want a Mourinho, you want to get in, do well, get a... Get, get, get your own county's job. <laughs> improve, improve your reputation, get some money and get out. Mm. Do you really need that if there's lads in your own county that want it? I don't know. Like, how good are these lads? Because you have to remember, and county boards need to remember this, it's not the manager as such anymore. It's the coach. So you get a fella in your manager that is well, fella from your own county that's well respected and get in a Donny Buckley. Bang! There's your, that's your kind of dynamic now. You have your manager who can speak from the heart about the, about the county, connect with the players 
have the the whole kind of health of the county's club scene and everything kind of you know at heart as well because I saw Brian Cody complaining about the the fixtures there recently as well like I mean Kilkenny County final is, is later this year than it was before the yeah. Super S because he used to kind of play the club during the season or whatever but I think getting a fella from your own county likes a Cheddar Plunkett there a great leash man who used to bring the lads to different landmarks in leash teach them the importance of playing with leash why are you doing this outside managers can't really do that but you get in a good coach a good a good highly rated coach if coaching isn't your thing and you manage the situation that's the new blueprint Turlock O'Brien Stephen Poacher bang (laughs) 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 Turlock O'Brien Stephen Poacher on paper is the perfect combination (laughs) if Stephen Poacher was not like what Stephen Poacher (laughs) is like um, before we finish up another good fundraiser in Mead for Sean Cox um, Conan so this this Friday night in the Knightsbrook Hotel in Trim at 7 o'clock they're going to have a Q&A session. So it's 30 years on since Mead beat Cork in the All-Iron Final. So maybe you're a little bit young to remember this. So Mead beat Cork in 1988 and then they actually beat them. Oh, that was the second year. They beat them in 88, 87-88, then Cork won it in 89. But there was a huge rivalry built up in those two years, almost a hatred, an absolute outright hatred. So Mead beat them the two years in a row in that and they're going to have a Q&A based on the players involved um, in those matches so Mead are going to be represented by Sean Boylan Colin O'Rourke Jerry McEntee three good ones to start Jesus. off with Joe Castles Martin O'Connell Colin Boyle and David Beggy and you have former um, Cork manager legend Billy Morgan and Dinny Allen um, from the Cork um, side so this is a Q&A session in the Knightsbrook Hotel in Trim um, tickets cost 10 euros and all the money will go towards um, Sean Cox so the great thing about the GA community is they're all rallying around Sean mm. Cox who obviously is involved with the Dunboyne Club and credit to anyone involved in all these fundraisers for him right up next we're going to talk to Peter Atchison <laughs> I'd never be allowed to go off in eight and have a shite like him and you know, a slob or whatever like I was always doing a bit I remember, all I remember is I thought I was going to get clobbered in the way in there I threw the ball up in there I don't know it was, it was pure luck no in fairness pure luck I put fucking bullshit as you see yourselves Alright so the Tipperary County final is on Sunday and Peter Atchison is making the longer than usual commute from Dubai to play with Mile Rovers and he joins us on the line now Peter how's it going? Good on, thanks yourself. Very good, very good. Come here, important question to start off with. What's the weather like over there? Um, we're hitting about 36 or 37 degrees at the moment, so it's uh, cooling down after the summer. Gee, <laughs> holy, holy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was up at the 48, 47 there for June and July. So. Um, coming into nice season now, so going down to about 30 or 31 over the next week or two, so... Uh, it's a nice time of the year now, right? Yeah, no, definitely. Jeez, compared to 48, anything anything is nice. Um, Premier, yeah, so, exactly, yeah. So I mentioned, obviously, of the county final on Sunday. You're in Dubai right now. What's going to happen between now and Sunday to get you back, get a training session under your belt, or maybe a couple? What's your routine? What What are your plans? Um, yeah, I'll finish up work here now in the next uh, hour or two. Um, I'll relax tonight, and I'm flying at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning then. So I'll be leaving my apartment about maybe 4am tomorrow. I get into Dublin then at lunchtime, maybe half 12. And I'm back in Clonmel by half 2, which isn't too bad. 
okay. tomorrow afternoon. And then we have club training. I'm not sure what time it's on. Maybe 8pm Friday night. Uh, just kick around, you know, yourselves two days before the game. And then the match is on Sunday at three or four o'clock. Right, okay. So, like, I mean, you're only three hours ahead in Dubai, so you're not going not going to be too much jet lag, but still the 4am getting up, it's going to take you till Saturday evening, I suppose, to get to get back feeling 100%. Yeah, look, I did it the last uh, two trips home and I actually felt grand after the flight. Yeah, I could actually fly tonight if I wanted to, but I feel that if I leave tomorrow morning, that there, there won't be really any jet lag. I'll have a nice sleep tonight. And like you said, it's only three hours time difference, so... I think if I flew during the night and I didn't get proper sleep on the flight, it could yeah. be a little bit uh, a little bit different. So I think the morning flight's better for me. Get in at lunchtime and get a proper sleep in my own bed back home on Friday night. So it shouldn't be any issue at all, to be honest. Yeah, OK. It's a fair old commute. So what's your plans for after the game then? Have you got How many days are you going to take off afterwards? Yeah, so I'm after eating into my annual leave a big time at the moment, as, as you can imagine. But uh, the bosses are sound enough, so... I'm flying back on Tuesday at lunchtime, so I'll have Sunday night and Monday then to either drink my sorrows or uh, celebrate. So, right, okay, yeah, there'll be a bit of crack either, either way. It can be hard enough getting time off for county finals and for inter-county uh, football at home in Ireland if your boss isn't really into GA. You're probably a little bit struggling a little bit more <laughs> more out in Dubai. Yeah, the two lads that actually own the company are Carlo and Kerry Menso and ah. the GA Menso. They were, um, yeah, they were more, uh, they were happy enough for it to be honest. Uh, I, and I'm using manual leave, so as long as it's like extra days, but they'd be, uh, they'd be more than generous to be honest. So uh, I'd say they didn't think I'd be flying over and back as much as I am. But look, that's uh, that's because we're doing so well, and hopefully if we uh, get this win on Sunday, it'd be more, more than worth it to be honest. Yeah. So how did you get roped into all this travelling, anyways? I heard you went home for a holiday, and you made the mistake of dropping up to club training, and then it was like the spider's web. You were caught. Yeah, my first mistake probably was uh, our selector there was David Conway. He, uh, I, I was a soldier with him. He's only maybe thirty-three or thirty-four years of age. And he was over on a holiday, so he hit me up there. We went to a pool party back in February. I'm sure a few drinks were had, and we were chatting away. And uh, he mentioned, would I come back for the old, that last last semi-final or final, maybe? And I said, yeah, I would. And then back in August, I was over at training. I went up to meet the lads, and uh, Fitzy, now Fitzy, our manager, came up to me, approached me, and uh, said, would I be interested? And it just it kind of... It graduated from there on, and I'm happy enough I did it now. But it has it has been a big ordeal, but more than worth it. Yeah, it's more than worth it, I suppose, that you got back into the final, and you were unexpected to beat Clonmel Commercials in the semi final. It was a last minute goal. You were really outsiders for that one. They're the big team, obviously, Munster champions a couple of years ago. So it really is all worthwhile now. But come, you came back for the last group game, quarter final, semi final. You probably weren't expecting to be back in a final, or is that fair? Is that unfair to say? Um, look, yeah, I suppose when we got commercials in the semi-finals, that was the big one, the, the tough draw. But um, no, look, I, I expected to be there. And to be honest, the team we have, even if I wasn't there, I would expect them to be challenging and maybe winning anyway. So um, we have, we still have a lot of 29, 30-year-olds that would have played county football. And we have plenty of young lads coming through also. So the team is there, but we've lost three or four finals over the last eight or nine years by yeah. points or two points. So. We've been touch and go the last nine years, but there has been a bit of a drought there. Uh, 2009 is our last one, so this will be massive for the, for the club. But at the same time, our Finland, I think they haven't won since 2005, maybe. So I'm sure they're um, 
they're as hungry as we are so it's going to be a big game I'd say Yeah so what have you been doing out in Dubai to keep fit like I mean you're training with a team out there you can pronounce it Jumaraya Gales um, like I mean Yeah cl- close enough cl- cl- You say it I have I have problems pronouncing uh, even Jumaraya Jum- Jamiri. Okay. I've I've trouble pronouncing even Irish clubs, never mind um one from out in Dubai. But like I mean, you're back in your pre season, but what's it like even training out there? Like I mean, thirty eight degrees during the day is it must be really difficult. Yeah, I, I saw you were getting a bit of hassle for the pronunciation during the week after the hurling championship. <laughs> yeah, no, there's um Jamiri Gales, they they started a club maybe three years ago. Was, um they started junior as as back home you had to start junior and work your way up so they won the junior three years ago and then the year I came out they were intermediate and we won that that year also and then we're senior we came second in the league last year and we're winning at the moment so hopefully we can push on but uh, we train three times a week and there's three uh, there's four tournaments in the year then one every month and then I have soccer once or twice a week also so to be honest I'm probably playing more sport out here than I ever did because you can't really play soccer back home and you're playing for tip but um, the intensity wouldn't be as high as county training of course but the training is very good and the fact that it's in 35 or 34 degree heat I'm sure that's only good for your fitness so uh, the fitness isn't the issue it's just the football wise was a little bit different when I came back first um, yeah. first of all it's pissing rain which which didn't help uh, and seen rain in about two years <laughs> and then uh, yeah, it's, it's 16 minutes rather than 14 minutes games a week out here so it's a little bit different high intensity out here but after the after first game I think I got the, got the back into track of it and I think I should be okay this way so look we'll find out Sunday Yeah and so it's nine aside out there so like I mean how do you line up four backs one midfielder and four forwards is that it? Yeah it's it's, it's, like, it's basically like the sevens is the best way to describe it it's on a rugby pitch and it's a keeper a fly keeper kind of we usually play Three two three then, but uh, you can imagine that the two midfielders are sitting back as backs for we were defending, and then everybody attacks. Then it's a uh, it's a great sport to play. To be honest, it's uh, just all out attack. And um, from listening to you and Conan back home, it doesn't sound like the football's going too well <laughs> on the eye back in Ireland. So um, yeah, it's a nice nice relief. It's a enjoyable game to play. Yeah, but is there a tendency for it to be a bit like basketball, where everybody moves back the court together, then everybody moves up the court together? Is that how it works out, or people hold their positions? Uh, yeah, there is, there is a bit. Maybe the other four stays up all the time, and maybe one of your other four stays up. But uh, funny you say that. Actually, they changed the rules last year that if you bring it into the opposition's half, you can't come back again now. Right. So it's even more attack minded now. So it's um, yeah, no, it's full on attack. You might you might keep the ball for maybe ninety seconds, but after that, then it's a, it's a score and you're straight back again. So it's uh, it's just all going fairness. Jeez, how progressive! There's a lot of tactics involved. Too. Yeah, how progressive are they out in Dubai? If only we could get the same here. Like, I mean, what were, were the grassroots up in arms with this new rule change out out in Dubai? Yeah, I think two lads just went into their room and decided <laughs> <to> probably <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to go through uh, the thousands of people and bickering back home. So I think just two two or three lads probably had a some sort of AGM and decided that it was a good call and it was a good call in fairness Well this this what I want back here Peter I want a dictatorship I want to go into a room with someone else come up with new rules and just come back and that this is the new rules that's it dictatorship is what should work it's too democratic here with Congress and everyone voting on stuff it's madness With you in charge of course yeah. Oh of course I'm the dictator <laughs> I'm the dictator it's my idea <laughs> Co- Conan can talk but he doesn't get, he doesn't get the 
responsibility of making a call. <laughs> well, come here, you mentioned soccer that you're playing as well. So, like, I mean, you're away most evenings doing stuff. You played uh, soccer to a pretty high level uh, at schools, international level. You played against uh, uh, Chris Smalling, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I would have. Um, we, uh, we went to rugby school, so there was no GA there. So, um, I think GA might have been in, uh, entered now since I left, but... Yeah, there was no, there was no GA there. Conor Sweeney was actually in the same school and a few other lads in the tip team. Ah, yeah. So it was either uh, rugby or soccer. I played rugby till junior cup, but then I was playing a lot of uh, football and hurling uh, minors, so I couldn't play, couldn't commit to the rugby. And I just went down to soccer training one day to do something during the day. And I kind of progressed from there. And luckily enough, yeah, I ended up being on the Irish school team and we won the Irish, Irish and UK tournaments. So we're playing against... Um, Smalling there in the Stadium of Lights in the last game we bet them 1-0 so it was a great experience in fairness and I did a bit for Clamwell Town back home then on the off-season for the GA but that would only be for maybe a month or two Yeah. so since I got out here I've been able to play a good bit more I still miss I still miss a few games due to the GA but not as much so it's great to, great, great to get in in fairness Yeah, no I saw you tweeted um, it wasn't long after you got out everybody knows obviously you left for Dubai not long after the All-Ireland semi-final against Mayo um, and you tweeted birthday on the beach in Dubai I love the GEA and playing GEA but it can blind you to life you have to live too like do you still think that you know you're, you're out of that routine of football dominating your thought process do you feel a bit of a release like I mean we, we love it but at the same time it does dominate your thought process yeah, definitely. Um, I'd say I had a few beers in me when I uh, made that tweet, I'd say. Um, but, yeah, no, definitely. I, I do believe that, to be honest. Look, it's great, and I would I would encourage every young fella to play GA at whatever centre they want. But it's, uh, it's different for everybody else. Each, each person is different. But when you're playing for people or teams like maybe Kerry or Dublin, it's probably a little bit more worth it because you have that silverware and you're getting the titles. But it's not easy playing with uh, lower-down teams, even... Even though we had a lot of quality over the years, we didn't really win anything and seen the level. So our run in 2016 was brilliant and I'll never forget it. But at the same time, you're missing out on stuff, everyday life that you'll never get back. So it's, it's a tough one, everybody. Yeah, do you, was it, it must have been difficult to leave after the year you had, though, you know, losing an honour in semi-final. Of all years to have to leave after, it was the best one, obviously, that you'd ever played in. You were nominated for an All-Star. Like, um, was there second thoughts going through your mind? I, mean, I know your your girlfriend, Roisin, has family out there, so I'd say the decision wasn't <laughs> wasn't in your hands. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we made the decision actually nearly 12 months before that, for that. Right. Uh, I sat down with Liam Kearns then and we kind of had a chat and, just, and, and a few other people Joe Hilligan and a few other guys uh, good footballing men in tip and they just asked for one more year so I told them I would give them one more year and I'm glad I did now it was, it was a great way to leave but I'm sure it was done uh, one of the plans had been made and there was, there was all going back so it, to be honest it was, great, it was a great way to leave but like you said it is, it is hard to leave on that note after getting to a semi-final but um, no, there's no regrets there now. So I was happy enough to leave that way. I saw you were quoted as well saying the lifestyle is great out in Dubai. Like, I mean, you're almost settled out there that you're not going to come home kind of from reading what you've been saying. Give us an idea of the lifestyle out there because I kind of have it in my head of Dubai. You have to stay in certain areas and you can't go, you know, the women obviously have to cover up if they're going into into some of the local villages. I'm not sure if I would really like that, but give us an idea. I've never been to Dubai. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's actually totally different from what uh, what everybody thinks. So, 
I think you wanted to have the Middle East, Saudi Arabia kind of thought in your heads, but Dubai is more Western than you can nearly say New York, like at this stage. Uh, women can wear whatever they want, really, as long as you're not doing anything outrageous, you won't get in, won't get in trouble. Uh, the social scene is very good. The lifestyle is brilliant. Um, there's no compounds or anything like that. You can you can go to any nightclubs or any bars, or whatever you want, basically. As long as you aren't falling on the street causing trouble, there'll be no issues. I suppose same as being in Dublin, basically. Yeah. As long as you're not acting the aegis, you'd be grand. No, I'd, I'd, um, I'd advise a holiday here for anybody. It's, it's more Western than everybody thinks, so it's, it's a great place to live, and we're going to be here for the foreseeable future, I'd say. Right, so, like, I mean, somebody had said to me that you have to stay inside all hotel complexes. Is that not, like, is that not the case, or...? No. No, not at all, no. So, the, um, technically, a bar has to be owned by a hotel. It's just a it's, a it's a legal thing by the government so that people don't just start opening pubs all over Dubai. But right. um, like there's there's pubs everywhere. You, you you go outside, you walk to the next pub, or you get a taxi down depending on the heat. So it's it's not as it's nowhere near as strict as anybody thinks. It's ah, not okay. strict at all, to be honest. Right. Okay. If, and uh, you, you should come out and have a look at it. Yeah. No, I should. And there's loads of Irish out there. Anyways, you've made loads of friends. Like, I mean, you're obviously in with the football and the soccer team, so the social scene is good out there, and and lots of Irish out there. Yeah, massive, yeah. Like I said, our club only started maybe three years ago and we have uh, five, if not six senior teams now, or men's teams. I think they have nine ladies' teams. And then our soccer club has uh, eight or nine teams also. You can imagine the, the pick we have there. So, And we've Abu Dhabi, which is only an hour away too, and they have maybe seven, eight teams also. So, the, no, the amount of Irish people out here is outrageous. I think it's something like 10,000 people Irish, Irish out here, so... Right. Um, it's kind of like the new 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 York or new America. So I'd say it'll, it'll keep uh, keep growing. Yeah, exactly. And come here. How do you handle before I leave you go? How do you handle the forty eight degree heat? Then, do you, like you mentioned, you have to get it. You'd have to get a taxi from a bar to a bar because it would. Instead, in Ireland, it's because it's raining <laughs> over there. It's because it's just too hot to be walking around. Yeah. Just what to say. It's, it's like the winter back home. You just you just don't go outside. So there's it's for, it's about six six to eight weeks. To, they've AC everywhere though thank God so right. um, yeah no you just don't go outside basically it's like, it's like uh, winter back home just don't go outside you have, you have the AC everywhere I wouldn't be recommending a holiday in June and July out here <laughs> wait, to, wait to October to April maybe yeah exactly no come here so you've had Finn and, uh, next and you mentioned they were in a final last their manager is John Evans a man you know uh, absolutely plenty about I don't know where he gets the time in his life to be do, be involved with as many teams um, as he is but you're slight favourites going into this one um, you're obviously underdogs in the semi-final so like you last won it in 2009 so that it probably is a long time in recent history for Mile Rovers to be going without without one yeah, it is. Um, John was with me my first three, maybe four years with tips. So John's um, John's brilliant for a team to get them to rally around the team and get everything for the for the that team, all all the support they need, etc., etc. Um, look, in this day and age, every GA club is probably struggling with uh, immigration and people playing other sports. So I'd say John got all those lads to buy back into the club, and they have some serious players. They have three or four lads on the county team on the panel and then they have two or three on the 21 panel so they're, um, they're, they have a strong very strong core and some strong young fellas coming through also so they'll be very hungry but I think they bet us in 2015 in the South Championships um, we made a bet them since then but there won't be much between the teams so look it's, it'll, it'll all be on the day I think it's supposed to be a sunny day on Sunday so hopefully it'll be a good, good game of football hopefully Yeah listen fingers crossed come here uh, Peter thanks very much for taking the call and um, best of luck on Sunday 
Nice one, Colin. Take it easy, man. Yeah, we, I, we do. Yeah, we have a farm back home, so we have, we have a big farm back home, and we have we have uh, cattle and sheep, and we have a few donkeys as well. So um, we had a couple of filly donkeys. Uh, so I brought them down, and so we did actually sold them to. Uh, I think we had four donkeys on the day, and we sold them to a man from Wexford. So we did. So there's there's the piebald donkeys from there, and there's, there's the, the <laughs> traditional donkey, and there's the, the Spanish donkey, and then there's the, the Spanish donkey. Yeah, you see you see them on the on the beaches, never. And so, um, yeah, you can actually. One time, one time the the donkey was useless, right? But now some people have started to get back into them because you can use them for headage, and uh, it's used towards your, would say, your bonuses, your grants. A donkey, a donkey in Eden, a donkey in a palace. Right, county final time, Conan. And Saturday night, we have two games. We have one hurling, one football. We have Wicklow Senior Football Championship final replay. So God help these. This is at three o'clock in the day. Obviously, to give them that little bit more recovery time for playing road <laughs> road the next day in Leinster Club. So Ratnew are eight to eleven favourites according to Paddy Power. St Patrick's are seven to five outsiders. It was a draw the last time. Local derby. We talked enough about that. So that's going to be a great game. There's also a Limerick hurling county final on Saturday night. So that's between Napiersig and Dune. So Napiersig are favourites for this one. I'm pretty sure we all know about Napiersig. They won it in 2011. They won it in 2013. They won it in 2015. And they won it in 2017. So they're a year on, year off man. So now they're back in it in 2018. So they're going to retain it for the first time. So they're three to ten favourites. Um, and Dune are three to one outsiders. Dune have never won it in their history. And they have Pat Ryan, they've Darrell Donovan, they've Richie English and they've Barry Murphy. So there's a huge, um, you know, huge kind of clash there between a lot of inter-county stars and both teams. And it's going to be a great one. And interestingly enough, you can watch this one, Conan, at 7.30 on Air Sport. Oh, they're back. They're back. <laughs> <laughs> what ha- what's after happening here? They just went, pressure? went underground, couldn't get a word out of them. And now they've just reappeared. Yeah. So we'll have to see who get, who's involved um, and what they're going to do for the rest of the championship. They, they did cover a few Limerick. For, they focused a lot on Limerick. They had some of the earlier rounds in Limerick. So they're back into the mix. Sunday then, we have the Clare football final. That's between Ennis Tymon and Milltown Malbay. St. Joseph's Milltown Malbay. That's in Cusick Park, obviously. Ennis Tymon, last one in 1943. Ah, Anyone's ever gone to La Hinch will go through Ennis Tymon. It's a tiny little town. There's a really awkward bridge, left-hand uh, turn going um, towards La Hinch. So Ennis Tymon, that's the only reason I know it. Um, don't know really too much about them but they last won it in 1943 St. Joseph's last won it in 2015 and they've won it 13 times so they're one of the bigger clubs in Clare so we're rooting for Ennis Tymon in this one Conan that's all <laughs> you need to know about that Cork Senior Football Championship Final St. Finbars versus Dull Hollow Dull Hollow beat Castlehaven after three games in the semi-final this is pretty close this is in Porky Cueve and St. Finbars are 5-6 to six. obviously one of the big clubs in in Cork but they haven't won it since 1985 the great Jimmy Barry Murphy played played for them and they lost the final last year after a replay to Nemo 
So they've lost seven finals since the last one in 1985. So St. Finn want to get the finger out here and win. They still hollow, obviously, have, have uh, Aidan Walsh, Donnick O'Connor, and they're an area team. Don hollow last one in 1991, one in 1990 as well. So they won two, 1990, 1991. Who did they beat in the final in both those games? Nemo Rangers. St. Finbars. So there you go. Psychological battle <laughs> won here straight away for Dull Hollow. Actually, Dull Hollow are guaranteed to win this. Uh, e. McGuire, Michael Shields, St. Finbars have. So be not, as, not as romantic when it's an area team, is it? <laughs> no, no, it's not. And like, I mean, even Callum Spillane, kind of when they went back, they ended up going back to Seamus Harnady's club because he was the captain and he kind of dictated it. But like, I mean, <laughs> it could go to 18 clubs. Like area teams, how did they manage the celebrations? It's just there's a lot of planning need to go in and mm. there's a lot of kind of politics. Who gets this clubhouse who gets the, the team back and like we talked about Monday you're not growing up with these boys you know? well you're definitely not growing up with these <laughs> boys absolutely you're growing up pulling across these fellas um, in, in Hurland so Paddy Power have same Finbers 5-6 to six favourites Dull Hollow 13-10 to 10. Um, Galway Senior Football Championship Final Cora Finn versus Mount Bellew My Luck that's in Pierce Stadium Cora Finn are 1-7 no surprises there the Mount Bellew are 5-1 to one. So this is a repeat of the 2015 and 17 finals and the 2009 finals. So um, Corofin beat them in 15 and 17 by 10 points. So this year, that's why they're at 1-7, to seven, obviously. Um, Mount Bellew, Mylock brought them to a replay in 2009, but to be pretty different teams now in 2018 and 2009. Corofin are going for six in a row, as we know. Um, Mount Bellew my luck have Michael Daly obviously brilliant player for Galway centre forward young player but uh, Mount Bellew my luck manager Michael Donnellan not to be confused with the absolute legend from Galway he is from Corofin and he's managing them so he's trying to get um, he won an All-Ireland All-Ireland in 1998 with Corofin and now he's managing uh, Mount Bellew my luck try and cause a shock yeah, strange, strange odds. One to seven and then five to one. It's not normally like that. I don't know how it works. We'll the, have to guess. The bookies are hazing their bets here. That's what's happening. That's yeah. how it works. Well, see, it's not the bookies. It's Paddy Power. The Paddy Power. <laughs> it's one specific bookie. <laughs> I don't want to slag the sponsor of the show. <laughs> oh, yeah. When we're saying something negative, it's the bookies. <laughs> the bookies. All right. Positive is Paddy Power. Right. Well, you're, you're one step ahead of me there. <laughs> so Kerry uh, finals on this weekend as well. Be looking forward to this game. It's not on television, unfortunately. I don't think. Um, Dr. Crokes versus Dingle. Dr. Crokes are three to ten. Dingle are three to one. Dingle have won the title six times: nineteen thirty-eight, nineteen forty, forty-one, forty-three, forty-four, forty-eight. They were the team to beat in the forties, and then they've just disappeared. They've just vanished away until this really good new team has come along. Bit of a harder edge than this year as um, proven <laughs> not by the selector but there was a lot of niggling in the East yeah. Kerry game like in both games um, and this is put down to the harder edge Dingle are bringing to it this year so and by all accounts they go route one to Paul Gini with good good route one ball rather than old, old crappy ball we know how good he is in the air so they'll definitely get some chances against Crokes but whether they can keep the Crokes forward line under control is another story so like I mean their forward line is Michael Burns Gavin O'Shea Brian Looney David Shaw Kieran O'Leary and Tony Brosnan that was for the Cairns O'Reilly game so on the bench is Colin Cooper who just came, came back from missing the previous game I think he was sick or slightly injured so Colin Cooper comes back for his club and doesn't get back onto the starting team that's <laughs> outrageous about this as that's well. outrageous like I mean but 
he's not getting back on it to, to, to actually pr- prove a point he's getting back on it because young David Shaw's a machine Tony Brosnan's a machine Kieran O'Leary can't be dropped so Gooch is almost like Gooch you just sit out here maybe I'm not sure because like I mean it's hard to know like I mean he has to get on ahead of David Shaw Ah, he should get on ahead Jeez, of David. Like, what are we yeah. talking about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like okay. it's a sad day for football when Jim McConnell and Colin Cooper are on the bench for their clubs. Yeah, but this this is not a you. Uh, this is not a normal club forward line now. No, like I when get that. when they won the All Ireland two years ago, Michael Burns wasn't even on the team. Yeah, like I mean, it's ridiculous how they do it. Like I mean, Gavin O'Shea is a good player, but he's the manager's son. So you wonder whether uh, he's feeling a little little bit of pressure, and not because he's. A, not a really really good player it's when you're and I've I have experienced this at underage level with my father when you're the manager's son and you have a bad game and there's someone else good on the line yeah there's a pressure there that you feel that nobody else can understand unless you've been in that in that situation you have to be better as well like you know if yeah. you're playing good it's not enough because all the other parents whose kids aren't playing think that you're only playing because you're the manager's yeah. son so you have to play better now, than everybody else I do have to say at under 14 level you know the way you have two a lot of the time you have two years at under 14 two years under 16 I played two years minor then I played five under 21 I, I started getting good around 17, 18 but at, at my first year under 14 I'd say my father was doing a favour or two for me at wing back <laughs> <laughs> wing back for Portland like I, I was not brilliant I don't remember anyone specifically being on the sideline that should have been on it but I remember thinking uh, the father might be doing me a bit of a favour here <laughs> getting me on this team but then my second year I was midfield and I deserved to be on it but then from under 16 onwards I, I didn't have those issues but under 14 level <laughs> thanks dad basically you, you're after doing, you did me a favour there London uh, final replay this is full of Irish Tier Connell Gales the betting here with Paddy Power is 11 to 10 10 to 11 it's almost even money um, this is a repeat of last year's final um, Owen Mulligan came off the bench to earn a draw for Fulham Irish in the first game so he came on with 20 minutes to go Tyrion Conan Gales are the big club in London the 15 championship victories uh, Muggsy actually got the winning free in the final last year came on this year and gets the drawn free David Givney is at full forward for Fulham Irish you might have wondered where David Givney had gone Oh, Mulligan's on the bench as well. Oh, Mulligan's on the bench. This is outrageous. <laughs> Whatever happened to the old stock, uh, 35, 36, 37 year old leading the line with club level? Like, I mean, this youth. <laughs> I, I'm, I, maybe managers are going down inter-county level and trying to be like Jim Gavin. No one's guaranteed their place. Again, the hierarchy's gone, Colin. The script has been ripped up. That's seven years I was out of the game. It's all changed. Yeah, I know you want rule changes and everything. That's how old you've gotten. <laughs> <laughs> so Tipperary, we know all about this. This is Art Finnan, 5-2, Mile Rovers, 2-5. So like uh, Peter was saying, Art Finnan last won it in 05, Mile Rovers 09. Um, my Rovers have Peter Atchison Alan Campbell Stephen Quirk Liam Boland and it's Declan Brown's um, club the Water C- Senior Football Championship Final is between Kill Ru- oh, I'm screwed here <laughs> Kill Rossanti Kill Rossanti and Denier I've never heard of Kill Rossanti before they're 6-4 outfi- outsiders Denier 8-11 great thing about this Waterford Championship Final is that the winners are going to be in the Munster Club well done Waterford <laughs> a round of applause for the Waterford County Board um Hurling now, we've already mentioned the Piercing. Kilkenny Senior Hurling Championship final is interesting. Um, it's Bennett's Bridge versus Ballyhale Shamrocks. So only four years ago, Bennett's Bridge were a junior club in Kilkenny. So they're really on the rise. They haven't won the senior title since 1971. Um, they beat the 2013-2015 champions Clara in the semi-final. So Bennett's Bridge have a proud tradition. They've 12 Kilkenny senior titles to the name. But it's more than 40 years, obviously, since they've... They've, they've won it 
Um, they have Rob Lennon, Endemar, Celine Blanchfield were on the Kilkenny panel and Jason Clear, Sean Morrissey have been involved um, at underage level as well. So they're an upcoming team who've won their way. They won the Junior All-Ireland, then won the Intermediate All-Ireland, then survived at the, in their first year senior. They survived and now this year they've pushed all the way to a county final. So it's been a huge, huge rise um, from junior up to senior county final for Bennett's Bridge. I'm rooting for them, even though I'm a huge Ballyhale Shamrocks fan. I'm a big Ballyhale. They pelted me with slitters in GA Jackass. <laughs> I love those guys. Yeah. I love those guys. But listen, I'm an, I'm a, I'm an underdog um, man here, and we're hoping for Bennett's Bridge maybe to to just have the fairy tale of winning a senior. Yeah, they're too much Ballyhale, too much of a powerhouse here. Like Henry Shefflin managing them. He's the manager. TJ yeah. Reid running around strutting his stuff. Like we're going for we're going for a team who were junior four years ago. Yeah. And like you can't fluke, you can't fluke getting a senior final in Kilkenny. You have five group games. Yeah. And then you have quarterfinal and semifinals. So after seven games, the best two teams are going to be in the final. Yeah. And the fact that they're there now is un- unreal. They win a they, they have a brilliant uh, championship by Michael Kenny. So you're guaranteed four group games and then like seven to win it and everyone gets four group games. You can't get any better than that. But Brian Cody likes mixing it in as the season goes on. I wouldn't be a fan of that, but I can see where Brian Cody is absolutely coming from. Dublin hurling final replays, Ballyboden, St. Endes. This is even money. Impossible to separate these two teams. And this was an absolute classic. So if you're anywhere near Parnell Park at half past three on Sunday, go into that one. Westmead hurling final is Clonkill versus Raharney. Um, that's in Cusick Park and this is very close in the betting according to Paddy Power 6-5 Clon Kill um, versus Raharney 5-6 Antrim Senior Hurling Championship Final this is the big one really isn't it in in Antrim Cushendall versus Loch um, Ale Shamrocks that's in Ballycastle at 3 o'clock and it's 5-4 4-5 in the betting so that's a really big one and you can be promised Guaranteed that that'll be more entertaining than the football final, which finished up five four. We're pretty sure it will. <laughs> yeah. We're pretty sure it will. Um, provincial championships are kind of a side thing now because county finals are all, always supersede the early rounds of the provincial championship. But one thing I do say about the provincial championship starting, this is my. F- I've said this on the last three or four podcasts. This is my favorite time of the year. Mm. So you have county finals coming in every county, and if anyone's like me, they're checking every county to see who's won it. Have they won it every? Even researching these things, I enjoy it. Yeah, like to know who, like who's is this their first ever one? Jesus, wouldn't it be great if they won it? Yeah. Don't know if I'm like, overly enthusiastic about it. Then you're looking around in Leinster and. This is because I obviously won county titles at Port Leash, so first-hand experience going, what's the Leinster Club draw? Who's coming out of Dublin? Who's coming out of Kildare? Who's coming out of Westmead? You're massively interested. So now the Leinster Club uh, first round is pretty much a preliminary round. It's before the quarterfinals. So Shell Maliers of Wexford are finally now to pronounce that. They play Dunboyne and Mead. It's just something really cool about Wexford versus Mead champions yeah. going head-to-head. That's in Wexford Park at half one on Sunday. Shell Maliers are 11-2 outsiders. Dunboyne 1-8 favourites Wexford if we're being honest Wexford club football has had has made no impression in Leinster club at all and that betting uh, kind of reflects that Mullingar Shamrocks this is a big one for Port Leash fans because they play the winners the following week Mullingar Shamrocks 3-1 to one, Moorfield 1-3 one to three. that's in Cusick Park at 1.30 so Moorfield beat St. Lomans in the final last year in one of the most bizarre games you'll ever see yeah. so Mullingar Shamrocks beat St. Lomans in the Mullingar Derby and now they're 3-1 to one outsiders at home versus Lomans or versus Moorfield I know I bet against Moorfield against the tie in the final and got that wrong but if you were a betting man you'd give Mullingar Shamrocks now 
having seen Connor Sketch's Instagram and everything about the celebrations in Mullingar Shamrocks maybe this is what <laughs> Paddy Powers is, sne- is sneaky enough with this kind of thing and Mullingar Shamrocks are they just happy with the with the county title and they've celebrated all week because we know Moorfield won't have celebrated all week because they're at the stage now where yeah. county title is a stepping stone for them and that makes a, hu- it's a huge dynamic in that like I mean you get drawn against a, a club who's won it for the first time you would be saying to each other in training as these lads will be on the beer all week Yeah, like they'll have 10-15 minutes trying to hit you hard but you weather that and we should you know what I mean your fitness will see you through because they've been drinking all week but like I mean that's definitely a factor there maybe why they're 3-1 to one outsiders at home Ratten you were saying Patrick's versus Road that is on in Ockram so at least the winners of St. Patrick's will have a home game and then you have Munster Club hurling Ballygunner versus Middleton Middleton were beaten in the Cork County Final um, but they obviously played an area club um, in and they represent Cork after losing so I don't know where their heads would be at so the betting reflects that Ballygunner won to 5 uh, lost the final of the Munster Club last year to Napiershig after playing really well against them so they're uh, Middleton are 4-1 to one outsiders and in the Ulster Club um, semi-final Hurling Slocknail are 1-7 to seven to beat Ballycran of Down and that's in uh, Corrigan Park at 2.30 and that's it Conan so there's loads of games this weekend um, not sure which one you'll be paying most attention you'll be watching Air Sport I'm sure you're being the hurling aficionado maybe you won't <laughs> um, do we know who's on the TV on Sunday I didn't actually check that usually we do um, we do I know on Monday it's two live games there's one on Sunday but then the Monday one is the Dublin game uh, on the, Dublin game, the Dublin game I actually read who the games were on Sunday but I'm not going to keep humming and hawing about it here listen we can't be uh, just spoon feeding the information use the Google here and check it out yourselves right that's all we've time for thanks to everyone for watching on YouTube there are some of you watching on YouTube and we really appreciate that as well and we'll talk to you on Monday we're back on the bank holiday Monday because there's so many games this weekend um, we're not going to leave it till Tuesday so we'll talk to you Monday good luck When I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I'm hard, I'm heartbroken. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.